Allegedly, next week, we're going to get into the freezing temperatures so I can turn my fridge down. But until then, oh, there's the crack of a cold one. But more importantly than a cold beer and a beautiful sunny day, my new friend, the barbecue king himself, the man, the myth, the legend. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we um, got to exchange some emails, have some fun. You you're the type of person, you're my favorite person to be on because one, you know the movie, you love it. I mean, I posted that you were going to be on and instantly quotes are coming in and people are DMing me like, dude, this guy, you might actually talk about the movie. I'm like, hey, fuckers, we always kind of talk about the movie. <laughs> but before we get to the movie and why you picked it, tell people about your business, uh, what you do, how they can support you, engage, all those things. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. We're, we're a barbecue media company, so Cali Barbecue Media. We have a single unit barbecue shop in San Diego. And I know for those of you that are in Austin, uh, people doing barbecue in San Diego is laughable at best, but we do do barbecue <laughs> the right way. It's low and slow. Um, we learn the craft. We, uh, we have a pit master, Gene Goykachea, who is our a resident expert, the person that taught us the right ways. Um, but yeah, we opened in 2008 and um, me and one of my best friends from uh, college, Corey Robinson, we, we thought that we could open up a family-friendly sports bar um, in a part of town that everyone said, you're fucking nuts for trying to open. Um, 2008 is <laughs> not the best, best year to be opening up any business, let alone a um, restaurant business, bar business. Uh, sure. But we said, fuck it, let's do it. And um, you know, we failed a lot along the way and went from 18 employees doing 300,000 in sales um, all the way up to, I think at the peak, we had 64 employees. Um, last year before coronavirus, we ended with 3.3 million in sales. So we, we built a significant business um, as a single unit restaurant. Um, and we built a brand by putting on a podcast, by teaching other restaurants, other barbecue people, how to do podcasting, how to create audio content, video content, uh, repurpose that into written content. And um, we are where we are right now, which is opening up another ghost kitchen. We've been more profitable during coronavirus because we're a digital restaurant now. Uh, we do takeout, so all the third-party delivery, and we order online. We use technology. We partner with um, all the people that are doing cool things in restaurant hospitality that help us do our jobs better, but we also we speak up. So we speak, we give the, the voice of the local restaurant owner and 
let them know the things that we need and they make it happen. So we think it's, it's really the most exciting time that we've ever been in business. We've never been excited about expanding the way that we have. And um, we have lots of plans in the next uh, two to three years to really do something different and unique in the hospitality space and also create an opportunity for people that work in this, in this business. I mean, people yeah. that work as bartenders, people that work as servers, people that work back of the house, heart of the house, pit masters, managers, um, you know, we work our ass off taking care of people. It's, it's in our, it's in our DNA. It's our blood type. Um, but there's also very limited time. We work when everyone plays. So we're trying to figure out a way to, to pay people a little bit more, um, give them some time off um, when they have kids, family time off, um, paid vacations, just stuff that just hasn't been able to happen because the full service restaurant model is broken. But we're here today to talk about swingers because swingers is oh, fucking fantastic. It is, but real quick, you said ghost kitchen. What is that ghost exactly? Kitchen. So we call it a friendly ghost. If you okay. look at restaurant, restaurant media, they say ghost kitchen because it's typically a single, it's a brand that will have an offshoot. So let's say Applebee's will start a wing company and mm -hmm. they'll call it, you know, whatever, wings and things. Um, so they'll open up no, no dine-in services. So it'll be in a, in a part of town that's highly populated, but there'll be great delivery radius for third-party delivery. So it'll be a small, um, low cost to entry, typically, you know, to open up a full service restaurant, depending on the size, location. I mean, you're talking about anywhere from on the very low end, a couple hundred thousand dollars to, Jeez. you know, people will build out a couple million dollar restaurants. Uh, Ghost Kitchen, you can get in for under 50,000, you know, if you, if you plan it right. Because um, it's, it's essentially a, uh, the easiest way to think about it would be like a food hall, except okay. with a food hall, you're trying to bring a bunch of people there. This is a food hall that's just for distribution. So you get 20 different brands and um, those brands can service, you know, a greater part of the city uh, through Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub. Nice. Okay. That's very cool. No, I just, I never heard that, but I, I, I love the concept. And now let's get to it. You picked this movie. You already said it. By the way, real quick. So I, I, you know, I shot you a link to the movie, and I, and I, but I'm, let me tell you, I picked the wrong movie because typing in Swingers movie, my wife's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you Googling? You know, because we share a Google account. And she's yes. looking at my computer. She's like, can I look at something? I'm like, sure. I hand her the computer. She's like, Jesus, what the fuck is, there's so much porn on this computer. I'm like, babe, 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 I'm doing a podcast. She goes, you're doing yes. a porn podcast? I'm like, no, I promise. It's just. <laughs> yes, it's, re it's podcast research. It's yes. podcast research. Uh -huh. and it's, That's a good uh, one. It's aggressive. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So Swingers, what makes Swingers special to you? Uh, I think Swingers is special to me. I'm a, I call myself a fringe millennial. So I graduated high school in 2000, Y2K, when the, the internet was supposed to end earth as we know it. Um, that was okay. my graduating class of high school. And sure. Swingers came out in 96. So, you know, we're talking like eighth grade, ninth grade. And Swingers was um, actually one of those movies that became popular once it hit Blockbuster. And Blockbuster, for those of you that don't know, is what Netflix, <laughs> but it was the thing that was before Netflix, where you actually would go to a store and you'd actually rent a movie, kind of like Warehouse or Towered Records, where you'd go to buy a CD or record. Um, How great was yeah. that? Because that was like, you had to get it Friday at the right time. Yes, you did. The you have to get it at the right like time. What, 11 or noon. And then you got to get, you know, get the stone kid in the back. It was like, oh, maybe I'll put it up. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I always, I, 
I'm never a sheep. I, I, I'm a tailgater at heart, so I, I never want to be the, the last one into the stadium. I always want to be first. So whenever, whenever I can get something, I'll, I'll figure out the, the algorithm of life and try to figure out how to get it. So I, I don't know, but I, I, somehow I got it. I got the movie and I remember just bringing it back and uh, my best man, Jack, um, him and I watching it and just laughing our fucking ass off, um, you know, at the whole premise of the movie. It's, you know, the real, the real introduction to Vince Vaughn and what, what came after, um, which are all so many other classics that could easily oh. have made the list. I, I, the reason I love your, your podcast so much is it, it makes you think deeply about, I mean, we, movies are so, such a part of our lives and a part of who we are and, you know, the, the things that we connect with our friends and with our family, with our wives, why we laugh, why we cry, why we get upset, why we're fired up. Um, and it's just, it's a great question to think about the top 10 movies that you make on your list. Oh, the top 10, you think about the movies that you always play. I mean, I was, I was telling a friend this the other day, you know, uh, you look at Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I watch it every, every Thanksgiving. And it still makes me cry every time. Yeah. Because that ending, John Candy, I mean, I, you know, I am not at any level that, that you're at in any way, but from college through up until now, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, Christmas Eve, man, I, all the neighbors come over. I cook Chinese food for everybody. Oh, really? That's uh, awesome. I, I do Thanksgiving. My wife, she's like, it's two days. Thanksgiving is two days away. Why are you're already prepping? I'm like, well, you got to do this. We only have one oven. We only have this. So, you know, she's like, you got to stop doing this. Like we're traveling next year. I'm like, but I love this. I love yeah. 4 a.m. getting up and I'm timing everything out and I'm doing the rotations and I've got everything going. And, and that aspect, you know, and, and you brought it up in the intro, right? That, that idea, that thought process of, of giving back, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and doing, you know, that's why I, I love having people like you on because I want you guys to be celebrated as well. That, that people need to understand when you go to a restaurant, all the moving parts that yep. allow you to have a good night. And I know so many chefs and so many restaurant owners that their Christmas, their Thanksgiving, their holiday, their birthday is. You know, it's that ice bucket in the summertime that's filled with layers of towels that you mm-hmm. pull out and wrap around until it dries. So the blood stays cold going yep. to your fucking brain so you don't pass out because it's so goddamn hot back there. Yeah, that's the truth. That's right? The truth. And it's, and it's, you know, and it's, we take a lot of it for granted and we shouldn't. And movies, you know, movies get to celebrate that, but we need to move that celebration line. Right. Mm-hmm. We really do. Uh, my buddy Jay owns a restaurant, man, and he's so great. And we go up and uh, I have another buddy, Chef Drew here. He was on the Iron Chef and he makes this great mac and cheese. And he'll come out and talk to my daughter and go, hey, what do you think of the mac and cheese? And she's like, it's not as good as Mr. Jay's. And he owns a sports oh, bar. Right. Really? Yeah. I mean, this is Iron Chef guy and a guy yeah. who's my neighbor who owns a sports bar. And he's like, fuck, how do I make this kid the right mac and cheese? Like, Jason. Well, the- they're the best mac and cheese critics. My, my kids are the best mac and cheese, cheese critics for sure. They're the best, man. They're the absolute best. I'm grabbing a, 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 a couple pillows here to really set up so I'm not leaning forward so much. But they're, they're the best. And he's just like, you know, how do I? I'm like, how about impressing me? And he goes, I've already impressed you. Like, stop. Like, you, you, you got impressed a long time ago. Let's get the kid going. And 
you know, my daughter loves his wife's desserts. So he's like, I gotta, you know, come on, man. Like, I gotta get a win over here. I gotta get a W yeah. in the column somewhere. I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll get you, Drew. We'll get you'll you. Get, you'll get there. You'll get there. Just, you'll get just there. Keep, keep trying. All right, so you got the movie queued up there, brother? I got the movie queued up, yep. Go ahead and hit play. I thought I was gonna, I didn't know what, I don't know how is this gonna work out. And I thought, yeah, I, I don't know if I was gonna watch it through Zoom, through your TV. Or well, see, I used to do that. Vince Vaughn pop into the zoo. I didn't know what the uh, fuck was going to happen. <laughs> just, you know, well, what happened? Well, what goes on? Unfortunately, a crazy crazy. <laughs> so, because the there's a little the there's a trademark on this stuff, right? Yes. You try to share it on Zoom, and Zoom's like, mm, I'm going to give you a black screen, and it Correct. instantly blacks it out because that's the beauty of technology. Yes. Uh, it's it's also the chaos of technology. But so, what real quick as as the movie's starting here. What got you into cooking? What got you in? What, what is this service mentality? How did that all start? That's a good question. You know, I, I would say I'm probably as far from the chef side of the restaurant as possible. Um, I love food, um, but I think I love the hospitality aspect more sure. than anything. And for me, it's something my, you know, I, I never met my father. Um, I've seen two pictures of him. My mom had me when she was young in Colorado. Um, my grandfather actually ended up raising me in, in La Jolla, California, which is a very affluent part of San Diego. But he, he was an immigrant from Bulgaria and wow. um, he worked his ass off. He was supposed to be a farm boy born in a village and because of uh, his grandfather and then somebody that came to the village um, inspired him to learn how to read. Um, there was uh, an American there by the name of Dr. Haskell and he, he taught kids um, agriculture but also reading. And my grandfather was fortunate to, to get out of Bulgaria to become a medical doctor in Germany during World War II. He studied German just to study medicine. So he didn't even know any German. Um, he had to learn German in order to study medicine and he had the Nazis recruiting him, trying to get the international students to fight in the war. Thankfully, he didn't have to do that. But, you know, so I have this huge patriarch um, that raised me, that gave me this huge life of privilege. And my grandmother, not by blood, but um, his girlfriend, who was, might as well have been my grandmother. They never married, but she was Japanese. So I had a Bulgarian grandfather and a Japanese grandmother. And one of the things that I remember early on was just, um, food being very important, whether it was Bulgarian food, whether it was American food and Thanksgiving, whether it was Japanese food. Um, my grandmother always wanted to have people come over to our house. And when they did, um, just the ritual of sitting down, sharing stories um, over food was something that was always important. And that was something that, you know, as I went through school and started making friends um i realized i really liked inviting people over and i like getting invited over to places um i think that's something that you know it's funny because when i when in eighth grade um that was when on my my family we took over uh a breakfast restaurant and i on the weekends instead of playing sports and hanging out with my friends i had to start washing dishes and bussing oh, tables boy if someone's oh. never washed dishes real quick let me tell you that's hard work show it's some respect very, to the dishwasher i mean very I, I did work. it yes correct and you know for 
for somebody that, you know, at that time, I fucking hated it. You know, I was, I was miserable. I was, you know, I would, I would resent my grandfather. I'd be upset that I'd have to go, um, you know, wash, wash tables, bus dishes. And it was just, it was, it was a point where I never thought I'd be in the restaurant business. Um, but now looking back on it, I think, you know, learning not just the value of work, the value of money, but learning that when I was doing it, I was seeing that people coming to eat and enjoy being with their family, whether they were upset, whether they were happy. Um, it was something that made me happy. It, it made me happy to see them in our restaurant, um, enjoying a special part of their day. And uh, later on, you know, we start started working in real estate really as I thought I was going to be a, a lawyer took took the uh, LSATs didn't do as well as I thought I should do. Um, I wasn't that I wasn't should be at, at school. I always did well in school, but uh, I got rejected to all three law schools. And I was kind of like, well, fuck you then. Um, <laughs> I still have the, the law school rejection letters uh, hanging over my desk. I don't know if that's just the, the competitive side of me or what, what it is, but um, it, it led me down the path to where I am now. And that is something that even though we do barbecue and we do restaurants and we do food, we also put on amateur barbecue uh, contest every single year. We've done it for 10 years, 5,000 people in front of our restaurant, 20 amateur barbecue teams, really supporting the growth of barbecue. We also put on professional barbecue contest at the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club. Nice. Um, we've served we've served barbecue to the San Diego Chargers. We've gotten paid um, a check, which I would have done it for free to serve <laughs> Antonio Gates. Um, you know, as a diehard Charger fan, I mean, we've been able to do so many different cool things. Sponsor the local hockey team, the San Diego Gulls. Sponsor the local lacrosse team. I mean, just really been able to do so many different things in the last thirteen years. Um, because of barbecue, because of hospitality, because of media. And uh, I would have it no other way. You know, I wouldn't be here on this podcast if I hadn't made the choices that I did. And um, it just, it gets me fired up. It gets me fired up to know that, you know, no matter how many people laugh at your ideas along the way, um, kind of like the way that people laugh at, at uh, the swingers characters, um, you know that you can make it, you know, and like, it's funny when you see, all these different parallels in life, especially through movies. Um, you know, some of the greatest movies, their life stories that are adapted, you know, Rocky, um, Rudy, all, all of these incredible things that ended up on my list, you realize that, you know, it's kind of like my grandfather. It's how my grandfather raised me. Um, a lot of people telling him, no, he couldn't do something. And then him telling the world to fuck off, but then the world helping him along the way get to where he wanted to go. That, that point of your grandfather, you know, uh, learning to read and, uh, you know, in, in Bulgaria and that, I mean, one, I've got goosebumps literally all over and up and down my spine. Uh, that's just, it is, it's such the truth of, of the determination and, and the, to have that determination passed down. Right. I mean, whether it's in sports, you know, and you look at, unfortunately, the passing of Kobe and his daughter, Gigi, right? But you look at that and you're like, oh, that determination passed down. Oh, wow, that, and it, it was a hard determination, but it wasn't a negative one. Like my, my grandfather's was a little bit of a negative one, right? And I turned away from it. My dad turned away from it. His other sons turned, turned away from it. But you get the positive ones, the ones that, that, that plant a seed 
and they water it and they understand that sometimes that watering comes with a thunderstorm and also guess what it comes with a sunny day and they know the difference because they've experienced the difference they've literally experienced the monsoon and they've experienced now the sunny day and they and they know shit i don't you know i don't want to break his fucking back but you got to wash some goddamn dishes on a saturday instead of play that's just the way it works yeah and you know that I mean, I, you know, not to get too deeper philosophical, but I mean, I think one, there's, there's a part of that that's missing a little bit today. I really, you know, yeah. I believe there's a part of it missing from all of us. You know, uh, Tim Kennedy was on the podcast when we first started and he goes, you know, hard, hard men, you know, create, they, 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 they create this aspect, right? To where when there's soft times and bad things happen, hard men rise up and they rise up and they take control. And you don't have to look at it necessarily as, as a hard time, but more as, as I would say, as, as an educational time of, you know, your grandfather, it sounds like, had, had beautiful balance. Your, your, your grandmother, though, though not married, right? I mean, that, that, that whole style of bringing people in and feeding them, you know, I believe there's an ulterior motive to that. Like when I look at houses to buy or anything, I think about my kid and going, well, is this the house kids want to come over to? Yeah. Is this the house exactly. the dads want to come over to? Like, I'm, I'm big into hot sauce these days. <laughs> I'm making hot sauce every week. I got habanero. Okay. I got enough. chipotle. I just, did a, <laughs> I just did a serrano guacamole roasted garlic hot, uh, kind of a, a, a hot sauce you kind of put on your eggs a little thicker with the, with okay. the guacamole. Right? But why? Because I pass it out to the dads. And I pass it yeah. out to them on Monday and Tuesday. Why? Because Thursday or Friday, we got beers. And I want to yeah. get reviews. I'm Correct. not a pro, but I just want to do it because it creates a sense of community. It creates this idea. And I want that, you know, and my buddy Trey and I, we kind of fight over this friendly competition of whose house is it at? Where are you coming over? Hey, my driveway. Hey, Jason's back porch. Oh, it's sunny out. It's 90. He's got a pool. Okay, well, I yep. got a trampoline and misters. But it's community. <laughs> idea of something, man. And, and you think uh, about that community and you think about what goes on in those conversations. You think about all those table talks. You had yeah. that you had last month and that you had in the eighth grade and you had prior. Yep. And then you think honestly, right? And someone's gonna be like, this is fucking cheesy. It's really true. Now you think about this movie. Yeah. Now you think about the table talk of this movie. You think about the quotes you can throw out. You think about everything. But more importantly, the table talk of this movie. The yeah. rapport back and forth that's driven from a car ride, that's driven in a casino, that's driven over breakfast. And then the audacity to then throw in the table talk of a voicemail. The embarrassment of not having someone to tell you that's a friend to shut the fuck up. Uh, exactly. one of the greatest things we can learn from this movie. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It, I mean, <laughs> the, vo the voicemail is one of the, great, one of the greatest scenes. It's because we've all have friends and that's the beauty of friendship is if it's a true friendship, you're actually vulnerable, right? You actually yeah. share, you share the things that are deep, that you think are embarrassing, but then that, what do you think your friend is there for? It's to tell you, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> They're there to wake you up, to say, hey man, you can't fucking do that. Oh, I had, I had last Saturday, I was with my buddy Trey and we're, we're on his back porch and we have a couple of the neighbors come over. We're talking politics and everything you're not supposed to talk about. Of course, and politics, we, religion, all that. Yeah, all that. Yeah. And we're disagreeing on everything. All of us are. And I'm kind of like the neutral philosophical guy and Trey loves Trump and our other neighbor loves Biden. 
And, you know, and I don't play the game. I don't throw my yeah. hat into either ring. I just no. play devil's advocate on both parts. For well, sure. then everyone leaves, and then it's just Trey and I. And now, I mean, I was a formal pastoral ministries major in college. You know, you got, you got Trey who goes to church every Sunday. I don't go to church anymore. And we, got, we get religious philosophical, right? And he's bringing out more beers and more beers, and we're going back and forth, back and forth. It's 1230 at night. Yep. This started at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> That's great. You wake up the next day, I text him. I'm like, love you, brother, man. That was so much fun. And my yeah. wife's like, you guys talked nine hours, nine yes. hours on yes. bullshit, on thoughts and ideas. Like, we talked about business. We talked about other things. But yeah, because it's important for someone to call you out on your bullshit. It's important for someone to call you out on your hypocrisy. And it's important just to share ideas. It's not yeah. gossip. You don't want to talk about a fucking neighbor or talk about your boss or anything else. No, talk about ideas. Talk about things that literally move the needle and yep. disagree and have the common respect to be like, oh, well, we can disagree and still be friends. Who the fuck cares? Like, there's still a cold beer in between us. There's only two left. And he's not like, well, Jason, you didn't agree with me. You don't get this beer. I'm drinking these two in front of you. Yeah. No, you know, it's, it, it's the thing. And I love it. And food does that. Table talk does that. It's road trips that. do that. Road trips, man. Vegas road trips do that. Yeah. When was the last time you shot out to Vegas? When was the last time I went to Vegas? Probably with my wife um, and her family uh, from Bulgaria. So I married a woman that's 100% Bulgarian. Um, I'm oh, 20, I'm 25. How, 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 I'm oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. How, how, uh, how uh, happy was Grandpa? Oh, Grandpa couldn't have been happier. He was, I was, yeah, I was very fortunate that um, he passed away in 2008, but she was able, she met him. Uh, about four times she came over to the house and um, met him and my grandmother, which was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, really cool. That's, uh, that's yeah. No, that was, the last time we went to Vegas was with uh, with her parents, um, who don't speak a word of English, um, and her brother, uh, who's a firefighter, and he doesn't speak any English either. But we had a blast showing them um, all of what Vegas has to offer. I can just imagine a Bulgarian firefighter just being jacked. Not yes. walking indoors, just kicking the fuck doors out. Right? Kicking, like, fucking, kicking fucking doors down. That's and her her father was a fire captain, so yeah, they're uh, they're no bullshit family. Eastern Europeans, they, they there's zero filter on Eastern Europeans. You, you'll you'll know where you stand immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Eastern Europeans, and I, and I would even say in the Asian cultures, you know exactly where you stand. <laughs> My grandmother was the same way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I dated a girl who was Korean, and I remember her family. We went to a Korean uh, restaurant and I'm trying everything. I'm because, you know, I'm inside, I'm a fat kid, man. I mean, I was 330 <laughs> pounds at one time, right? I was like, oh, you know, all this good food, all these spices and it's hot and there's sauces and I'm, I'm grabbing shit with my fingers and I hear something in Korean. And I'm like, oh, Alice, what, what did they say? And she goes, uh, my mom's very impressed. You eat like a Korean and that's a good thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> there you like, go. All right, I'm in. Like, Good. That's a high compliment, eating like a Korean. That's a very high compliment. <laughs> it's fun, man. It's fun. Where um, I see in the back, you know, uh, people love this when I point things out that I see and they're like, it's a Vogue podcast. But uh, you've got a license plate that says NBA uh, NSD. So you're, yeah. I'm assuming you're a Hoops fan. I'm a Hoops fan and I'm a fucking dreamer. San Diego is the worst place for professional sports. We're a vote no town. You're a vote. We, we tried. We tried our ass off to keep the uh, Chargers from leaving, and um, unsuccessfully, we voted no, forty-three percent. 
but it wasn't for lack of effort. Wasn't for lack of effort. How did you, no. uh, what did you think about um, the NBA this year in the bubble? Uh, I was just, I was happy to watch hoops. You know, I was fired up to watch hoops. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a, you know, the Kobe Bryant thing that you mentioned is something that uh, I've never had somebody that I've never met. Um, their passing impact me the way that Kobe's passing did. Sure. Um, Mamba mentality. There's a, an article that I read that I reference a lot and it was uh, on LinkedIn. It was somebody who just wrote an article based off of his SB speech and Kobe gave an SB speech talking about because of 4 a.m. And he said, you know, because of 4 a.m. It's, we're all up here, not because of talent. We're up here because of 4 a.m. We're up here because we're willing to do the shit that nobody else wants to do. We're up here. We're willing to bleed. We're willing to sweat. We're willing to do all the things that all these other great athletes that should be up here, they're not up here because we're willing to go the extra mile. We're willing to do the stuff that even our other teammates don't want us to do. And it's kind of just like my grandfather, you know, that's that spirit. That's that Mamba mentality that if you want something, you can go after it and get it. And um, it's going to be day after day after day, and it's not going to be easy, but um, eventually you'll, you'll get what you want. I wish the, um, the uh, special forces community would embrace the professional sports community a little bit more. My buddy Janai was a, a, a goalie for the U.S. Olympic team. They won a bronze medal. First African-American goalie on the U.S. Olympic team. He's got cool. a wingspan of like 7'1". He's like 6'11". He's a, he's a specimen wow. of a human being. That's a big hockey player. Well, no, uh, water polo. Water polo player, got yeah, it. Yeah, so, I mean, he can float in the water and throw the water polo ball like 60 miles an hour. I mean, he's, he's a monster. And he went with – his whole team went and trained with the SEALs for one day. Amazing. Right? It's like your team lasted the longest. And, well, I mean, they're water polo players. They're psychopaths. They put their yeah. fingers in their butts and then poke you in the eye to hope to give you pink eye. I mean, they're just they're Correct. psychos, right? right? Yep. But I wonder, like, that Mamba mentality. Mm -hmm. And then you think about Tim Kennedy put a quote out. It was yesterday. I think yesterday or the day before. And he was just like, you know, if you want to succeed, be the third monkey in line on Noah's Ark and it starts to fucking rain. Be the third like, monkey in line? Yeah, be the third monkey in line. And yeah. It starts to rain. You're like, I got to get on this fucking boat. You know, yeah. it's like, how hard do you want to work? How bad do you want it? You know, what, what does it look like? And it doesn't need perfection, but it needs room to evolve and it needs drive, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and food preparation is, is probably the perfect example of that because yeah. you know, barbecue, I, I love it. People are like, oh, I can't keep the meat on my bone. Oh, what are you, what ribs are you cooking? Pork. All right, asshole, calm down. It's yeah. the, if you're, if you're not boiling it and you don't have the oven at 700 degrees, correct. You've got a pretty good idea that that's going to fall off the bone. Yeah. Now beef ribs, depending on the temperature, how it was cut by the butcher, there's so many other things that come into play that you have to know and be so smart about, you know, my, my, uh, my, my buddy, He's a, he's a chef and he does everything from scratch. And he, when he was talking about doing ribs and he's making his own barbecue, he goes to the butcher shop and he's like, literally like, there's the whole fucking pig. And he's like, how do we butcher this? Or not the whole pig, the whole cow. How do we butcher this to get the right beef ribs? What do we do to get this out? What do we, you know, it's just, it, and the guy's like, oh, this is how people fuck it up. And he goes through the whole thing. And I wonder, how do you look at cuts of meat? You know, and, and, and it, because it's, I really do believe it's representative of life. Like there, there, are, there are failures where you learn, there are wins where I think 
you don't, you should learn how to improve upon on. And then there's consistency, which is the hardest fucking thing in the world. And when it comes to barbecue, I think that's even harder because how thick was the wood you put in? Did you, are you using mm -hmm. wood? Are you using this? How do you create that? And more importantly, what's the secret to beef ribs? Because I, I'm <laughs> average at best at them. The secret to beef ribs. Well, when I, when I figure out the secret to beef ribs, we tried to do beef ribs on our menu because they had been requested a lot. And it gets back to what you had talked about is it was just a, a problem with consistency yeah. for us to find a product that we could serve on one weekend. I mean, we just tried to do them once a day. So it would be, you know, every Saturday we would do beef ribs and every Saturday we seem to come up with different sizes of beef ribs and we just never could get the uh, consistency that we wanted. Uh, barbecue is, I mean, I don't need to tell somebody from Austin how barbecue is. It's, you know, it, it's a religion. It's, it, it's something, it's a way of life for people. It, it moves you in a certain way and makes you feel a certain way, depending on where you are on this earth. And that's not just in the barbecue meccas of America. That's not just Kansas City and Austin and Memphis and the Carolinas. Oh, uh, it's Germany. I mean, that's where it came from. Correct. I mean, we have, you're talking, we have Texas barbecue because of Germany. Yeah, I mean, we're. I'm, I was talking on a podcast to uh, somebody from Argentina and talking about you know what barbecue means to them. And I've been down, you know, I've been fortunate to go to Buenos Aires and like cooking with fire, cooking meat. I mean, my grandfather in Bulgaria. Just I was just in Bulgaria this summer um, during during COVID with my family to go out there and visit my wife's uh, grandparents. And they're cook they're cooking barbecue right there on an open flame. You know, they're cooking pork. Yeah. Um, on an open flame? It, yeah, yeah. You get a hot pocket of wood and the flame shoots up and I'm assuming they still master it and they're fucking experts because they're, they're firemen. They do yeah, they do phenomenal work, but it, it gets back to you know getting the family all together. You know, it's getting the family together. This is an important ritual for part of the day. They make their own wine, they make their own rakia, which is fire water. Um, it's might as well be moonshine. moonshine. Love it. Yeah. It's Bulgarian moonshine, but nonetheless, yeah. I mean, cooking, cooking barbecue is something that we knew that if we were going to do it, we we're going to have to learn and we we're going to fuck it up a lot along the way. Um, but if we listened to Gene, uh, our mentor who had spent his life in the competitive barbecue world, um, cooking at Kansas city barbecue society contests, actually organizing contests. Um, if we, did what he said um, and did it day in and day out and do it, you know, every single day, perfecting the craft, the low and slow craft, um, figuring out a, the best way to get the best St. Louis pork ribs and fabricate them into rib tips. And then, you know, the best way to utilize tri-tip, which is a California mm. meat that we absolutely love and talk about all the time. And um, How does the rest of the U.S. not know about tri-tip? I, mean, I don't you know. Can, you we've can been working on like Five cents a pound. I mean, hyperbole, obviously, but five cents a pound in Austin, Texas for tri-tip. They're like, what? It's you crazy. want to fucking cut of meat? It's crazy. It's just a phenomenal cut of meat if you learn how to cook it the right way. Yep. Um, and it's very popular out here in California, very popular oh, yeah. in San Diego. But yeah, I mean, working our way through the menu and really getting back to simplicity. Um, I think that's one of the key things that Gene taught us is that too many people try to make barbecue more complicated than it needs to be. If you have quality meat, if you have quality seasonings, if you cook it the right way, if you understand the fire, if you understand um, time and temp, uh, you can put out great product and you can do it consistently as long as you're not cooking too much. You know, it's once you're out, you're out. And that's mm -hmm. something that 
it makes a lot of sense in a place like Austin, in a place like San Diego, it's taken, you know, the general public 13 years to understand, you know, craft barbecue out here. Uh, once you're out, you're out, makes people angry. <laughs> you know, maybe, yeah, they, and also, maybe they heard about some phenomenal brisket and they drove, you know, halfway across the town to come out and try it on a Friday night and letting people know that we don't have brisket. Um, sometimes they're, they're angry about that. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where also, and no offense to California, but a lot, there's been a lot of years, I and mean, I spent 20 years in California, right? They just throw some sauce on it. Yeah. That shit can be oh, yeah. dry as fuck. It could be a horrible cook. Like, have you tried our extra spicy jalapeno, cumin, roasted X, Y, and Z sauce Correct. with this Correct. cheddar, jalapeno, sourdough, double baked bun with, you know, Swiss on the inside. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man, I just wanted to cut a meat. Yeah. You know, put it on all that, you know, but barbecue also reminds me of this, right? You got Vince Vaughn and his buddy, they're up all night long, right? They're with the girls. It's like, fucking hell, man. They, they, they drove, they partied it all night long. And the effort of that seems exhausting at my age and almost 50. <laughs> you're almost 50 you're young as hell yeah i'm almost 50 you're young as so you're you're not a fringe millennial no 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 fuck that i'm early <laughs> 70s brother come on now fair enough, fair enough. But, early 70s got it but i would stay up all night for barbecue and not think twice about it yes that doesn't exhaust me correct what i mean is it is that the is that the table talk thing that drives it when you're a cook, when you, when you want to not impress people, but you want to bring people around. Yes. Cause I don't really, I don't really feel comfortable with people talking about my food and liking it personally. Yes. I yes. just don't, but I want them to be like, nom, nom, nom. Hey, did you, you know, just talk about some shit, man. You know, the same with the hot sauce, like get some chips. Talk, you can tell me once it's too hot. You know, I, I tried this one thing. I didn't have a good emulsifier and dude, it was fucking, it was, it was like applesauce. It had a really good flavor, but texture is king when it comes to sauces. It was yes. like fucking yeah. applesauce. It was so disgusting. I'm like, throw it away. And my buddy Lane's like, horrible texture, but I'm going to put it on my eggs. I'm like, please just throw it away. I'll make some new shit, please. But it, it's about that table talk. It's about that thing that, that come to the table. Please join me here. I created this just so we can talk shit. That's the yeah. only reason I created it. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it gets to part of just the experience. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Vince Vaughn and Jim, uh, John Favreau yeah. going, going on a trip, partying all night, but it gets to why I love tailgating. It gets to why I love barbecue. It gets to, you know, why so many people are compelled during Thanksgiving, during Christmas to the more time and preparation that you put into something that you love. And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily always just about the food. The food, yes, is, you know, one of the main characters, um, yep. but it's also just what's happening around preparing the food. I mean, when I think of my grandfather or my grandmother preparing food, my grandmother making a Japanese dish, my grandfather, you know, on the barbecue, cooking some peppers or getting whatever he needed ready. Like it's all the things that are happening in preparation of even getting people over. And then as people come over, the same thing happens at a tailgate. You know, you get there early, the amount of time you said, you know, you're spending getting ready for Thanksgiving. It's, you know, any NFL tailgater, any super fan, season ticket holder, what we what do we do with season you know we we wait for the schedule release once that schedule release comes out it's i've got each of these days these are all home games these are all games that 
I know that I'm going to see my family and what's my family going to look like. They're going to look like all different walks of life. You know, it's like, yes, they're charger fans, but we even invite Raider fans over. Like we don't give a shit who you are. If you come to where we tailgate, like you're part of the family. So we're all eating carne asada. We're all, you know, drinking beers. We're all doing what we do best. And that's getting ready for another chargers loss. Most likely. <laughs> with, with a, with a, with a couple of Henry touchdowns for the yes. fantasy football fans, correct. right? They're just yeah, correct. Yes. Where are uh, your schedules, checking the games beforehand. Exactly. So you talked about a, your, your podcast a little bit. Tell people a little bit more about how they can find the podcast, what it's about, because my, and, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, just, just tell me, I get wrong a lot. But my envision is, is that I get to listen to your podcast. I get to go to your website. I get to see these things. And then at the end of the day, I learn a little bit. And because as an NFL fan or any other, or an MLB fan, I can't go to the stadium. So mm-hmm. instead I get to do my own little mini tailgate at my house. I get to yep. learn a little bit, or if I'm in San Diego, and let's be honest, no offense, San Diego, or pretty much all of California, minus a little parts of Central California, y'all don't know how to barbecue. They can just order from you or the ghost kitchen or where it may be. So how does that lay out? Like, uh, you know, where, where can people go to learn? You know, I mean, because even in Austin, Texas, you know, it's, it's still a, a friendly competition about how you do it well. And there's the Franklins and there's, you know, the other ones that are, the, there's the monsters here, but outside of the monsters here, you still have friends. You still have, you're still getting together five, six, 10 guys throwing, you know, three or four tomahawk steaks on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing one that's hot on the grill. I'm doing one that has poblano peppers on the grill and then that's in it. So the, the moisture comes up into it and keeps it moist, but it has a different cook. I've got one that's just got a hard dry rub on it that I've seared in a, in a cast iron skillet and then wrapped it up in tin foil after letting it rest for 10 minutes and put it on the grill that way to really let, just capture the moisture as best I can and failed at all three and won at all three. So what can people do on that end? How can they listen to your podcast and do all that? People, by the way, hate this. I ask the longest fucking questions. The fact that you listen <laughs> and you know what I'm saying, God bless you. <laughs> well, so, so our, podcast, it, our podcast is a weekly podcast called Digital Hospitality. And it's actually less about barbecue and more about digital storytelling. Sure. Um, it's really about demystifying the internet and producing content, uh, okay. social media is something that has kept us in business. Um, like I said, we're off the beaten path in San Diego. So um, in 2007 actually is when the first iPhone came out. So we opened in 2008 and you know, we did every kind of marketing possible. We did ads in the newspaper, we advertised in the yellow pages when that was still a fucking thing. Um, <laughs> For people you know, who don't we, know, a book got delivered to your house. Yeah, yes. Right fucking yellow. Yes. And you actually wanted to look into it and you look for a plumber and the fucking thing. And yeah, you would name your company under a P because then you would look up plumbing and there, the first P would be there. It's just a bunch of uh, ridiculousness that now we use the smartphone and you know, the smartphone is something that we take, we take for granted, all of us, myself included, the, um, the abilities that we can have now um, with the smartphone. I mean, I, my wife, before I got to Bulgaria, she was there with my kids and every single day on Viber for free, I was talking to them in 4K video just over Wi-Fi. You know, when my grandfather, um, when he moved and immigrated to the United States back, you know, in the, in the 50s and 60s, he would write a letter to his, his sisters in Bulgaria and it would take six months to get there and it would cost, you know, $70 to send that letter. 
but now we have this technology that allows us to do all kinds of incredible things and really the podcast digital hospitality it's teaching um, small business owners other entrepreneurs creatives people that do video people do that do photography to understand that there's never been a greater time for them to start publishing content onto the internet um, to really start taking over not looking at social media as a place where uh, people are just bullshitting or living fake lives or i mean we're just we're hypocrites i'm a hypocrite myself when you, when i opened up the restaurant i've made fun of Corey, um you know my friend from college one of my closest friends for being on facebook for picking up like are you trying to pick up chicks like what are you doing on facebook <laughs> we're trying to run a business here but it's really like businesses need to be on social. They need to understand that content creation is important. They need to understand their website is important. They need to understand they need to sell things through their website. It needs to be mobile first. And um, every single week we just have different thought leaders on, um, influencers, people in digital marketing, digital media, people in sports entertainment, other business owners that um, inspire us to want to do more and to do, I mean, we have people from all over the world that love barbecue or they're entrepreneurs or they want to start a business or they run a butcher shop um, or they're digital marketers and they listen to the show. And for me, that's just, I mean, it's incredible. It's not like we're selling them barbecue. So it's, it's something sure. bigger than that. So question for you on that front, because I've seen this transition in the digital marketing realm. And that is, there are some companies, uh, GigRev, I think it's now called Fan Circles where they're um, digital marketers, whether they're entertainers or stand-up comics, whatever it may be, they're, they're essentially creating their own app. Yep. But this transition, because, you know, they're like, oh, you get to own your content. You get to own, you know, there's no throttling. You get to own your viewers, you know, and you really don't. I mean, you read the fine print, right? They, sure. keep, they, they keep the email addresses, obviously, because that gives them valuation. Valuation gives them more money, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know that game. But it's, this transition, this jump that I think people are trying to make because of the way maybe Instagram and Facebook and others through knowledge graphs and other things have, have, have throttled just to try to make money. And let's be honest, it's a capitalist society. They're trying to make yep. money. Yep. But that jump, that difference, whether it's uh, Tim Kennedy saying, join me over on Parler and he, and he mm -hmm. puts it out on Instagram or whether it's someone who has a text messaging campaign that says, hey, download my app. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is that doesn't have those things really taking off? Because at the end of the day, I mean, my humble opinion is no one wants 50 apps on their phone to try to follow 50 different Correct. people. That's why Instagram wins. Correct. Throttled or not, if I miss your post, I really don't fucking care. I'll yep. get it later. Yep. But it, it, it seems like, you know, they, no matter what you do, it still just hasn't taken off that, that aspect of understanding engagement and community versus engagement community and sales yeah i mean that it, it's a great question it's something that i'm fascinated with you know i'm fascinated with any kind of new app any kind of new platform but ultimately what what i care about is helping people demystify how complicated it is i mean we're talking about audio video words and images how ultimately, dare you, sir? How dare you? Ultimately, that's it. That's it. Like the problem is as people, we put a prejudice on, okay, this is Facebook. Okay. This is Twitter and I hate Twitter or I hate Yelp. So I'm not going to go on to Yelp. Like ultimately it's just real estate. 
So where do you want your ideas? You want your ideas in as many places as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you create the content through what we just talked about, you just need to figure out the best way to distribute that content. And the monetization part, that's something that is for each influencer, each business to figure out on their own, but it's not going to happen. The only reason people are compelled to do anything, the reason that they're compelled to listen to your podcast is because you add value to them. That is the community, right? Like we, we, we only have limited time and we're not going to do things we don't want to fucking do. And yeah. I'm the same way, you know, there's people that I respect and admire that I follow that are authors or influencers or people that run businesses. And, um, you know, I follow them on Instagram. I follow them on YouTube, but you know, whatever their funnel is or their, you know, their extra class that they might offer, um, coaching class, you know, whether I choose to sign up for it or not, that's completely up to me. Right. Do you think that's the big disconnect that people don't understand? Like everyone's on Facebook. So why wouldn't they be in my app versus the value of being on Facebook and you being on Facebook is greater than the value of them being on Facebook and you trying to move them off of Facebook. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's one thing a lot of people don't understand is like, is platforms, they're, they're the best when it's native. So when you're posting natively in Facebook and you stay in the Facebook community and you don't mm -hmm. try to pull someone out of Facebook into YouTube, once you pull somebody out, like we don't want to change out of apps because sometimes the link doesn't work. Sometimes people don't have the app downloaded. So it's a bad transition. They make you sign up if you don't have a YouTube account, like all of those, those are all hurdles to entry. So if you're going to create a community on Facebook, you know, that's a community on Facebook. Let's stay into that community. You know, if you're going to create a community through text messaging, that's your text messaging community. Should they sign up for your email? Yes, that's great. You know, you want them on as many places as possible, but ultimately you have, it's the same way that we do in the restaurant. You know, you have to take care of people when they come into your shop. And the way that I explain digital hospitality is there's so many restaurant owners that work so hard to open up a restaurant. I mean, it's, it's a marathon to get the restaurant open for business and you decorate every room in the restaurant and you put, you know, make sure that there's music, you make sure that the walls are painted, that you have the right seats and you have the right tabletops and the right menu items, the right atmosphere, but every single room is decorated. But online, why are restaurant owners not taking care of the customers that are on all those different platforms? Because all those different platforms, there's people searching for where's the best barbecue in Austin. Where's yeah. the best burger in Austin? Where's the best dive bar in Austin? And I'm on Yelp and I'm looking on Yelp and I go and I, I search best dive bar in Austin. What comes up? Is the, is, the, is the actual business page claimed? Are the hours updated? Is there photos there? Like those are all things that I've only learned by fucking, by failing, by failing a lot, but by learning along the way that I have to care about this stuff. And once I started caring about it, I realized all these other little communities are people that care about getting the best product and service possible. And if I have things that are up to date, it gives me a much better chance to take care of that community. Yeah, I'd say the, the, I think the biggest hurdle that I've seen on small businesses and personalities across the board is, oh, I don't wanna be on Instagram or Facebook or Yelp, yeah. right? Because someone can say something bad about me and then they just can't. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, you know what? People are already saying bad shit about you. Now in, you can have yeah. a chin and take it like an adult. Correct. Or you can go hide on your own fucking app. Correct. I really don't care which one you do. But if you want to be an adult, and let's all be an adult, some people don't like you. 
Yes. And that's okay. And you know what, if you've got a great community, you know, I, I think of a, I was, I was talking to this person, I go, oh, you want to see influence of a community? Because they didn't believe in, you know, the, the value of really investing in their community. I go, look at your mom's house podcast. Now yes. go follow Garth Brooks and wait for him to post. And then look at all the comments. Where are the bodies, Garth? Wear your jeans high and tight. Don't be stingy, Garth. I go, these are all quotes from their fucking podcast. And there's yeah. a thousand of them. Correct. So, yeah. One, it shows two things to me personally, right? Garth doesn't invest in his community. Yeah. He's super famous. I don't know that he has to but he doesn't invest. He doesn't know the digital side of investing in his community. He doesn't have the right team around him to help him do that or exactly. to help tell him that it matters. Whether he like, he might want to do it. He just might not even know that it's happening. Yeah. And he might just be like, well, I did a, I did a, I did a, I did a Instagram post. I'm good. Right. right? So I put it up there. Right. We're good. And mm -hmm. so he doesn't do that part. And then a, a, a podcast that may, a comedy podcast that makes fun of him all of a sudden owns his page. You guys, who cares if someone says something bad about you if your community loves you? Yes. All right. Who cares? Yep. Go on your mom's house podcast and type in, I think Tom Segura is a fat fuck and I hate him and see what happens. Yes. Right. And it's, and it doesn't have to be that extreme, but it, you know, in this real wacky world we live in, those extremes seem to highlight, oh shit. But mind you, and, and I'm going to bring this back to you because they've been doing this podcast for a long time. They've built this community traveling the country for a, for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. you know, you've been doing work in, in business and restaurants and, and, and understanding digital and, and failing and succeeding since 2008. Yep. Since 2008. And that, that right there is the value in understanding and in in building and and you know someone gets pissed off there's no fucking brisket makes mm -hmm. put it in the microwave make some more and someone goes hey man let me tell you something all right brisket takes this long how do i yeah. know i know this oh and why because i follow him here oh and because i saw them prepping the brisket you know yesterday morning at this time and they let it rest and then they do this and because i follow them in these places i know i have to get here at 10 a.m to get my favorite sandwich at noon or whatever, right. whatever the hour scenario is. Mm -hmm. But the people think it's a post versus an education versus a relationship. And I think you can extrapolate that to society. And I think you can extrapolate that even to the movie of swingers of at the end of the day, Vince Vaughn is consistently setting expectations. He's consistently, yes. I mean, even, you know, when you fail, you fail, but then guess what? He sets the expectation your money, mm -hmm. baby. Come on, let's bring it up again. Let's, let's yep. you know what? He's, he's moving his community rhetorically. He is getting things going. He's having fun. He's engaging, but that's just, he's not, but he's not just saying a one liner and walking away. It's not a danger field role. Correct. Right. It's, it's the beauty of what you said about words. They're powerful. Very powerful mindset. Mindset. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot of Vince Vaughn in the care in the entire movie is he, he's the guide, right? He's the yeah. guy for, for, for Favreau. He ultimately becomes the hero once he stops listening to the guide, the guide's advice. But as, as a listener, as somebody in the audience, 
you're compelled to a character like Vince Vaughn because all the traditional ways that the world has been presented to you, he's challenging those. Yeah. He's saying, fuck that. I don't care if we don't have any money. We, we act like we have the money and then Vegas gives us the shit for free. Yeah. And we're compelled. That, that, that's a compelling character. That's a compelling character because you see how these systems have been set up or institutions and you go, well, if somebody's willing to challenge that, maybe they can get a way in. And if they get a way in, maybe I could get a way in. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. And I, I think there's a, there's an aspect to that when it comes to digital marketing, when, you know, whether you're a restaurant or whether you're a tire shop. Yeah. How are you treating your customers and how are you expressing yourself? You know, uh, are you, is Sally Jassy Raphael or whatever the fucking weird shows are on these days in the background? You know, is, is it the Jerry Springer show in the background? You, you've been bothered to get up so you can change a tire? Or yeah. are you walking out and greeting them? Oh, don't seem desperate. Not to seem desperate, but you can still be cordial. You can still change the game. You can be you know? hospitable. Hospitable. So the, the, yeah, the difference, the difference for what we do in the restaurant and what we see in retail is everyone talks about customer service and customer service is bullshit. I mean, <laughs> literally it's fucking bullshit. It cannot be the standard that we go on how are we gonna treat the customer. Customer no. service is treating someone like, like it's basic humanity. I'm going to treat somebody, when someone walks in, I'm going to smile. That's just basic humanity. That's not customer service. Hospitality takes it the, the, into where it should be, which is all five senses. It's you're thinking about the person, you're learning about the person, you're empathetic, you hear what they, they want, you see what they want. If it's a woman walking in with a stroller, you have her open the door so that she is not have to struggle. You help them get the table that's easy for a family. You take care of the family. You get the kids food first because you know that as parents that the kids are going to fucking lose it. So the sooner that they get food, the better. So you put it in as an appetizer. Like that's hospitality. That's not customer service. Yeah, and I mean the, the idea of hospitality, the better. I mean the idea of, of getting the kids food first. Also, mom and dad have to cut it, blow on it, mom. Do it. Yeah. You know, guess what? If you bring it all at the same time. My shit's getting cold. Correct. Well, I'm blowing on Harper's food <laughs> and I'm cutting her you fucking blow sandwich. Blowing that mac and cheese, Jason. That's blow right. Blowing that mac and cheese. Damn I got it. this beautiful fucking burger, Casino yep. El Camino, and I was like, ah, I just, you know. Mm. Correct. Now, how do you take that attitude and move it digital? I think it's, it's the personalization. So the problem when you talk about digital and digital marketing, it's somebody that when you're talking about offline, traditional offline businesses, is they fear digital because they don't think that you can do digital in a way that is compelling, is hospitable, okay. that actually makes you have a feeling. The way that you do that is through unex unexpected points of communication. I mean, have, do you use DoorDash? I have, and I'm not a fan. Okay, so uh, they probably had it. They they probably dropped the ball. Like either the restaurant dropped the ball or DoorDash dropped the ball. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened. You know, I, I worked. With, I got this. My daughter was traveling with me. Mom uh, had some things she had to do, so my kid flew out to California with me for a week. Yeah. Still did all her Zoom classes. I mean, she's getting up at five a.m. Yep. She's rocking it like the free world. I mean, she's seven years old, and she's like, "Yeah, Dad, I got this." I'm like, "I barely got this." fucking rock star. And so at the end of the night, I'm like, Hey, whatever you want, like, let's look at menus, look at DoorDash. And 
three nights in a row, the food was messed up. Really? So three nights in a row, I'd be like, three hey, different restaurants, three different restaurants. It's like, Hey, DoorDash, oh. like, I don't know if you forgot a bag and they would nickel and dime this thing. They're like, was this during eat. coronavirus? Uh, this was two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they're like, well, did you have ice? I mean, I'm being a little hyperbole. Did you have ice in the iced tea? I sure did. Well, we can't repay, we can't replace the ice, but we'll refund $12 and 33 cents. And that's it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, um, but my kid's hungry. Yeah. Now the hotel limited menu, you know, just because there's not a lot of people in there. So they don't want to have food spoiling, obviously, but I'd call down and I stay in that hotel. I've stayed in that hotel every week, once a month for over a year. Yeah. Hey, can I talk to the chef? I got my kid here. DoorDash fucked up or the restaurant did, or they didn't pick up a bag. I don't care whose fault it is, but she wants a grilled cheese and yes. it's not in the menu, but you have bread and cheese. Yes. And to this, to the Sonesta hotel in Irvine, California, I will say they don't give a fuck. They're like, what do you need, sir? I mean, we have on our menu burger, some sort of, they call it a flatbread pizza. It's not uh, chicken wings and quesadilla. Yes. Right? Yes. But I like, you guys got regular bread, right? Can my kid get a grilled cheese? They're like, of course. Do you want us to go to the Randall's, you know, two miles away and, and open up a can of chicken noodle soup and get that for her as well? Or yes. tomato soup? I'm like, right. oh my God, thank you. But it was one of those things. And you, know, you, you know, and you don't know whose fault it is. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, right, DoorDash gets the beat on it. Well, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. The, restaurant, sometimes the restaurant gets the beat too. And that, that's the toughest part about technology and where we are is that there's so many different moving parts that are happening on so many different levels. Like mm -hmm. as a restaurant, we've already adopted third-party delivery. We've been with DoorDash for two years now. And uh, during coronavirus, we added Grubhub, we added Uber Eats. Um, we also added Otter, which is a technology oh, yeah. that combines all three of those into one tablet. So you don't have fucking three different tablets pinging and you know our host having to go and take one order from one tablet and put it into another tablet. We also upgraded our point of sale system to Toast which has allowed us to have we're a better- a, Were you using Aloha before? We were Aloha, yep. So Aloha was the big, the, the, the big one um, before in 2008 between yep. Aloha and Micros. Um, and Aloha was great until it wasn't. You know, they were closed source, so they didn't um, integrate with other technologies. They um, had third party uh, vendors that we had to pay in order to get um, online ordering through our website. and that website we couldn't update ourselves. And even though it was mobile first, it wasn't sexy, we couldn't upload photos. So, you know, integrating all that into do what we want to do, you know, we still got to a point where we reduced 90% of our menu. Uh, now we're now we're literally probably the, the in and out of barbecue. And I don't know, you've been to California long enough, so you know in and out, but in and out is it's a, it's a cheeseburger, it's a burger, and it's a double-double, and they have shakes. I mean, that's pretty much, that's their entire menu, and um, they're one of the most successful burger, independent burger um, chains globally. Well, they uh, stay in their lane. I mean, they do. you know, there's a place here in Austin called Pine House Pizza. They mm -hmm. make beer, and they make pizza. Yeah. Guess what you can order? Beer and pizza. Yep. You're not ordering that's fucking nachos, you're not getting a burger, a chicken salad, Listen, yeah. you came here for beer and pizza. We are giving you B 
beer and pizza. If you want Correct. something else, you can go somewhere else. Correct. And that, and that ultimately allows them to provide better quality and do it more efficiently, yeah. which ultimately gets down to better hospitality. Do you, you know, when, when you look at Corona and you talked about how successful you guys have been able to, to manage this process through, uh, you know, it, through all of this, where let's say other people, other legacy groups didn't want to let go of something, you know, or they didn't just know they weren't agile enough to transition. Mm -hmm. How much of that is innate in you and how much of that is being stubborn? <laughs> uh probably a little bit of both <laughs> to be honest with you i mean like, I, I mean how I'm, much of that is your grandfather going we're not going to fucking fail and how much of this is hey <laughs> your grandma because because i look at this two ways and i could be a hundred percent wrong again right but i think about bulgarian food and i know a little bit about it and i think about japanese food and i know a lot about it yes and the art and the idea of transition in japanese food is gorgeous Yes. From palette to palette, from piece to piece, the way it dances across your taste buds. From if you get a Japanese chef and you're like, you like, you know, you give it to me this way, and he's like, you got to eat this first and this. But there's a trend, there's a smooth transition. There's a reason why for everything. And Correct. Bulgarian food is it's it's here. Yes. It's here. All, there there's no courses. It's, <laughs> it's, it's here. Uh, it's all one course. Yeah. It's so here. you get salads, you get appetizers, you get meats, you get the dinner, and it's all there. It's Thanksgiving. Here. Here yes. you go. Correct. How do you bridge? I mean, you bridge those two. How did you do that? Well, I don't know about bridging the two, but I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's taking the ideas of both and, you know, specifically to coronavirus and what we've been able to do. I mean, I'm thoroughly convinced that if we had opened up this restaurant in downtown San Diego and were, you know, super successful in our first three years and, you know, allowed us to open up other restaurants, we'd be in a much worse spot now, even with more restaurants and more employees um, than we are right now with one single restaurant. Um, that single restaurant, it's more about the education that my team and I have been able to build and cultivate um, low and slow. I mean, we, we say we build our business the same way we do our barbecue and that's low and slow. But we, because we had to fight like hell to get people to give a shit about our brand and learn how to get on radio and make friends with local news and uh, produce podcasts and produce blog content and do a mobile first site and figure out the next door is an important app that we need to be on and pay attention to. And how do we, you know, post natively and all these different sites and how do we go on the news yet use a different site to pay for the licensing to get the native video and repurpose that on YouTube. Like we wouldn't have learned any of that shit had we been successful downtown, you know, opening up, you know, ultimately a restaurant group. We've learned that all because we had to struggle like hell where we are. And that gives us our competitive advantage and knowing that we're okay taking 90% of our menu off. We're okay reducing our hours. I mean, we were built on breakfast. This, this concept literally would not be open if it weren't for breakfast. Now we don't even serve breakfast anymore. We only do barbecue, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Yeah. We've stuck to our lanes. We're doing cocktails to go, which is rad. Never fucking nice. thought that would be amazing. Uh, that would be possible. But serving margaritas and Mai Tais and 32 ounce jars and labeling them Tiger King, um, 
you know, putting it on social and, you know, having Netflix blow up with fucking Tiger King. And um, it's been awesome. It's just, it's truly been, it's been awesome. We, we are, we are where we're supposed to be. It's funny and not to be redundant, but it, it's everything you just said. It is the lighter version, but it's a very real version of everything your grandfather went through. It's the it lightest. Really is. It's, it's the, the lightest light version. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish anything your grandfather went through. I'm no, just no, no. I, his I education and what yeah. he did, it's part of your DNA, not just in you as a person, but in what you've gone through and how you've gone through it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it's the reason why characters like my grandfather are so compelling to me. Characters like Kobe Bryant, like just people that, I mean, it, the more that you study successful people and no matter what field they're in, um, the more you realized how many people laughed at them and told them their ideas were fucking stupid, but their persistence in understanding that if they work at it every single day and if they're willing to ask for help, um, I think that's something that people don't talk about a lot, but some of the greatest thinkers, um, some of the greatest entrepreneurs, some of the greatest businessmen, uh, some of the greatest creatives, they were willing to ask for help um, from other people that might even be in a different field or a different industry, but just their thought process, their um, passion, their drive. You never know who's, who's going to be able to help you, you know, carry that torch, make your, make your wagon um, less heavy help you oh, pull the heavy wagon. I agree. I mean, Time Magazine called PayPal one of the top 10 worst technology companies of all time when it first came out. <laughs> That's great. Good job, Time. Right? That's I mean, great. That's it's great, great, right? Yeah. Uh, and now it's, it literally could be a commerce economy all to itself. Correct. As, as large as it is and what it does. It's, it's fascinating. I wonder with, um, with where you're at, you know, I mean, ca California, you've got north of san diego and i put san diego is kind of like it should almost be its own state we're, we're, so we are camp pendleton separates us from from orange county and uh kind of puts us in a bubble um un, uns to ourselves close uns, right, right with tijuana yeah but it's like you've got this cool little thing that everywhere else in california maybe used to be or wants to be and, and for some reason and you know no, removing politics aside just isn't mm -hmm. um I wonder when, uh, you know, when you're in the rocking chair and you're sitting back and you're on the porch and whether it's La Jolla or you've moved somewhere else to some great food place, and, you know, name your place on planet earth and you're in the rocker and you're looking back. What's the thing that when it comes to barbecue in California, when it comes to digital hospitality and what you've done, What's the thing you want to be remembered for? I mean, to be honest, I, I've been thinking about that more in the last month. No, to be frankly, more in the last month than I have ever. And um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, my mentor um, who I work with, which is David Meltzer. He's uh, has a top 50 podcast author. Worldwide yeah. Oh, I know uh, who David Meltzer is. He's a baller. Yeah, he's a baller. And, um, you know, he's helping me think bigger, um, read, repurpose the the dreams that I have and the ideas that I have for what what digital hospitality is and what my company is that I'm trying to build but I mean ultimately I I think it's teaching digital storytelling the same way that Dr. Haskell taught my grandfather how to read 
I mean, the more people that I can teach that making content is a lot easier, distributing content on the internet is a lot easier than they think it is. Um, there's just never been, this is the gold rush. This is our gold rush right now, 2020, forget about coronavirus. I mean, if, if it was 1849 and we were in California and we're pioneers and everyone's telling you that there's gold, I mean, there's gold there, you know, this internet thing is here. Like we, we can't pretend like it's not here. Like this is the internet's here. The smartphone is here and we're, we can build on the backs of giants. So we can build on the backs of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos and all these incredible people that have built all these incredible acts, Mark Zuckerberg. But what needs to happen is every single small business, like there's, those are craft businesses. There's a, a barber that does what they do. There's a, somebody that cooks barbecue the way that they cook barbecue. There's somebody that makes a cocktail the way that they make a cocktail or they craft a beer a certain way. And just because they serve beer, that craft beer only in Austin doesn't mean that the story of how they make that craft beer can't impact somebody in Bulgaria, can't impact somebody that's in Taiwan that thinks, oh, well, why can't we have great beer in Taiwan? Why can't, why can't I go and do what this same person did in Austin? And just by sharing those stories, they can really compel a movement. Um, and that's a glo global movement for whatever your niche is. I mean, there could be multiple people that talk about talk over movies <laughs> in different languages and they get oh. inspired because you've actually cut your teeth and published a hundred over 150 <laughs> fucking episodes and they go, how do you do it? And how do you build a community? And you fucking tell them, this is how you do it. And, and it's you weird. All, you, you all love movies. Like, you know, it's like whatever the fuck your niche is, you can continue to do it and look at all the people that you met just because you decided to have this fucking idea that probably I'm guessing a lot of people laughed at you. They probably still laugh at you. Oh yeah. No, I still get people like, no. Nah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Great. And they're like, name one famous person. I'm like, here's, but here's the funny thing. You know, it's, it's, I was talking to a friend and I go, I can't believe the countries that listen. Like my, if yeah. you break down the countries, right? Yeah. My numbers are small. You know, you do 700 yeah. downloads a day, but you break down yeah. the country like Jesus, dude, you're in, Russia and Kazakhstan and, and Brazil and Latin. It's like, all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, it's a hundred people in every country, but it's a crazy thing. Like who the fuck in Kazakhstan is yes. listening to this right now? Who's yes. can't get swingers, right? Yes. Doesn't know what it is. Doesn't know where we're at. The, the, for, for all they fucking know right now, it's a barbecue movie. They're just like, okay, well, I'm gonna learn how to cook. Right. Yeah. Or it's, there's, or there's a person in, um, in Lebanon or uh, in, 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 in uh, Botswana, I've got three downloads in Botswana. I don't know. There you go. So, it's like, this, so there's like, Botswana? oh, hey, they're digital marketing. It's a digital marketing movie. I didn't, yeah. How do I find this? And they're going to watch and be like, this didn't even, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck's happening? But it's a crazy thing because it's like, one, I'm always honored. Time, right? And you know this. Anything you buy, you can go to the store. You can buy beef. You can go buy bananas. You can buy those little cunts called avocados. And they're going to go. Hey, 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 take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah. about the well, they just go, they're just so weird. They're just so weird. It's like, if I'm not ready. I'm not ready. If you didn't catch me on noon at Tuesday, I'm bad. Yeah. You know, but you guess what? You got to go buy more. You got to go try more. You got to go experiment more with food. You got to experiment more with everything. Time is that one thing. Time is that thing that you never, ever get back. Correct. Well, it's not an experiment. It's an investment. It's an idea. It's a, it's a process. It's a thing that, 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 that goes, 
I'm going to put it out there, whatever it may be. I'm going to put the effort out there. And effort is a beautiful thing because, I mean, I had this one person email me and they go, hey, uh, I've been doing my podcast for two years. I get 15 downloads a day. I'm like, okay. Well, I don't like it. I'm like, all right. Are you investing in those 15 people? Like, are you reaching out to the 15 people that listen to you? Are you asking, hey, you 15 people, email me? Yeah. And then you're saying, hey, if I went out and I bought you guys all a t-shirt or I got you an Uber Eats, I did lunch with you and we FaceTimed lunch and we just talked yep. just so I can know why you listened. Are you doing anything like that? No. Well, listen, fucko, stop complaining. You're not investing Correct. in anything. Correct. You're not doing anything. I beat my friends up. I told them at the very beginning, I mean, I'm talking to bar owners who are giving me their bar when we first started doing this podcast before COVID. Yep. And I'm, I'm like, I need free drinks. I'm going to bring people into your bar. I'm going to, you know, I'm doing everything I can. Absolutely. Because I wanted it. And I didn't want it to want it. I wanted it because I thought I just wanted to make people laugh and have fun. I wanted yep. people, I wanted what I had on the back of Trey's porch. I want what I have here. I want this. I want the idea of, of we're just hanging out, man. There's a fucking movie playing on in the background. Yep. But we're going to talk about bigger things than a movie. There, there are a gazillion movie review podcasts out there, and there should be. And there are good and bad, and there's everything in between. But how many just have an excuse? If I called you and I said, hey, Sean, I want to talk for you for two hours. You'd be like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. I don't have time for that. You know, but no, it, that's, it's a very important point. And I think that's why I, I'm so compelled with podcasters is because podcasters, you start to understand that you're giving people a long form platform to tell their story. And it's, it's a way that my grandfather told his story to me so many times, but I'm lucky that he cared enough to write it into a book. You know, so we, I helped him self-publish his book, but so many people have those stories in their family that we take for granted. We have relatives that we admire, that we know that they went through hard times and they've told us the same story at Thanksgiving and at Christmas. But if, when they pass away, is always when we reflect on that story and we share the story, you know, at the funeral. But what if we asked a better question during those times while we still had them here questions that led them down a different path and you go holy shit really you were there with that person why didn't you ever mention that you go well i didn't think think of it so i think it's like it's up to us to start asking better questions and then i would argue that it's up to us to record those um and I who cares if it's 15 people that listen what yeah, if those yeah. are the 15 grandkids that get to know their great grand grandfather in a way that they never would have before that helped them understand their heritage. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I do things for the story, but also I bring my daughter in to do things for the story of, of, of her, you know, yeah. we had uh, years ago, South by Southwest, my buddy, uh, Mark Suroff, he's a, he's a great guy. He calls me and he goes, Jay, one of the bands that I'm helping out in, in Austin, and their van broke down. They have nowhere to go. And uh, I was working with this group and we had rented out the top floor of this area above where Live Nation was going to play the parking lot above Live Nation. And it was open to all bands, free booze, free booze, free booze, and air conditioning. 
and in Austin, air conditioning, quite a premium. The free booze depends on the band. Yeah. I go, dude, just have them come down. I don't know where they're at. Have them come down here. If they get an Uber and they don't have any money, I'll cover their Uber. Don't worry about it. So they come in. Band's called Great Caesar. Uh, and uh, they come in like, hey, can we play? I'm like, sure. So I go, just come back tonight, man. You're all sweaty. You guys are you know, stressed out. Your fucking van is done. I'm going to call a mechanic. He's going to tow your van to his place. I got you taken care of. But just go walk around Austin, do whatever. So they come back that night, and they don't know that the Live Nation executives that are putting on the concert <laughs> parking lot right next to us are in there. Mm-hmm. And by candlelight, they play five songs named with Hallelujah. And me and Delma, tear up. Me and the Live Nation executives are all teared up. We're all crying as Nikki is singing Hallelujah and John singing Hallelujah with him, and the rest of the band's not there. And they go, Hey, what are you doing Thursday? I don't know. Well, do you want to close out our showcase? We're going to call this other band and cancel them because you're that good. They cancel them. That's not the important part. It allowed me to build a relationship with them. And before they left Austin, they did a special show on top of Whole Foods, and I got to bring my daughter. Hmm. And to this day, my daughter, when she gets in the shower, listens to Great Caesar. When we go driving to school, we have three songs we have to play. Got to play some weird, God, what's the, what's the song? Let me open up my phone. I apologize. Let me open up my phone and figure out what's the goofy song. So we got to play Old Town Road. It's two minutes long. We got to play Eye of the Tiger. We got to play Ozzy Osbourne Crazy Train. That is one hell of a playlist. (laughs) That's one hell of a playlist, right? And then we got to do some Great Caesar. And why? Because she's connected. Yep. And why? Because, and it wasn't about, I would love to say it was about, you know, me, but it's about storytelling. But I learned earlier on, as soon as I had her, is that when I was really young, my dad did some cool shit that, I mean, I got to meet some, you know, some famous clowns. I got to meet the Globetrotters. I got to do a lot of cool shit when I was young. And then it kind of tapered off. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, man, what do I get to keep doing for my kid? So we're in Nashville and we're walking around downtown and I hear this musician playing and it happens to be at a brewery. I was like, oh shit. Well, I can have a beer. She likes the music. We're going to walk in. We meet the artist. I go, hey, you know, my daughter really likes you. She's like, oh, thanks. I'm like, no, no, like my daughter likes really good music. She's been able to meet a lot of musicians and she really likes you. She goes, oh, well, what songs does she like? I'm like, don't ask me. She'll walk up and tell you. Walks up, tells her. Yeah. Girl starts playing some of the songs. Now follows me on Instagram and asks me about my daughter once a week. That's so awesome. And it's the idea to your point of stories. It's the idea of carrying on this legacy. It's the, it's the concept of going, I don't, I'm not in the position and I don't want to be, I'm not doing cool shit for me. I'm glad I'm, I'm fortunate I get to be there and it's fun, but damn it, man, there's people around, there's stories to be told. And at the end of the day, like my kids' stories can't stop at seven. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, the chef Joe Gatto who has a show on Pluto TV and makes everything from scratch. I mean, this crazy motherfucker was making his own knives to start his show. He's like, this is how you make a knife. I'm like, Jesus, Joe, calm down. But he puts on these like online cooking classes, talks to my kid. Hey, Harper, 
He's like, I know a famous chef. I'm like, honey, you know a lot of famous chefs. Not because dad just loves to eat, but because I want you to have this in you, the storytelling yeah. in you. And I bring all that up because I think that that's, that's crucial for what you're doing, right? Yeah. From the digital side, from the small side, and, and, and I bring this up because I want you to elaborate on this, but it is, I don't think people realize they're putting a post out. They're putting a menu out. They're putting a drink out. Well, people come in versus, and let's bring it full circle. Are you coming to the table? Are you yeah. coming in or are you coming to the table? What are you doing? Because if it was your ma, if it was your grandmother and your father and they just came in, it's not okay. It's not, right? You're absolutely right. Are they coming to the table? And it's and really do, cool what you're doing on the digital side. You're why, bringing why do people you, to the table. Why do you care that they're coming <laughs> to the table? You care because it's how they make you feel. Yep. It's how you feel as a father when you get to make that experience for your daughter. And it's not even about, the problem is what I've found is like my digital journey is posting for me and sharing who I am, how I'm a Charger fan, how I love barbecue, how I you know, am a dad, a new dad, you know, sharing those things online on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, I've always gotten pushback from friends of mine that I love, admire and respect um, because like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, can't you just live your personal life personally? I'm like, I just live my life how I live my life. I choose to post about the things that I care about just because that's who I am. I'm not somebody different in my business than I am with you. I yeah. love swingers. I would fucking put swingers on our, in our bar if I fucking could. Uh, but nonetheless, it goes, it gets back to, you know, just understanding the difference between, I'm always trying to find people, you know, we talked about the difference between gossiping and people talking about ideas. And I think that's a very important point because you have to surround yourself around people that talk about ideas because talking about ideas are people that move the needle. They're people like my grandfather. They're people like the ones that you've talked about on the podcast. They're people like the ones these characters and swingers are based upon. Yes, people are the characters, but it's the ideas that they're chasing. And it's the universal language of those ideas that make these movies that make our list so compelling. Uh, Brian Grazer, who is a phenomenal producer Ooh. in Hollywood, um, probably one of the best, him and Ron Howard. Um, but he just, uh, he put out a book called um, Eye Contact. And in the book, he talks about how hard it was for him to get Splash um, the movie about the mermaid um, sold to um, a Hollywood uh, uh, a studio. Like he got Carol Hannah smoking hot. Got rejected every turn, every single turn, until he realized that he was pitching the story the wrong way, and it wasn't about a mermaid. It was it was about a man, you know, falling in love and being misunderstood. You know, once we get back to the universal language of what things are, those stories they're all they're all intertwined. It's what makes the hair on my, on my arms stand up when I start to talk about it. You know, when I think about my grandfather and traveling with him, you know, I studied in Spain. Um, this was my third year in college. So I was at the University of Colorado and uh, went with Corey, the guy that I opened up the restaurant with, but we spent six months in, in Spain, in Alicante on the Mediterranean. 
I studied in Spain and um, at that time my grandfather was like, you know, I'm getting old. I don't have anybody that I trust to help me come run, run all these uh, real estate properties that I have. I really want to finish my book. Um, I really could use you, um, even though I was the eldest of seven, grandson, uh, seven grandsons. Uh, he has two sons and my mom. So, but nonetheless, I was almost like a bonus son for him. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'll transfer to the University of San Diego. But before I left, he's like, I'll meet you in Alicante and I'll travel, we'll travel across uh, Europe and I'm going to take you to Bulgaria so that we can trying to make me fucking cry. <laughs> so oh, he, man. you know, at 83 years old, uh, my grandfather came to Spain, you know, he landed in Spain, traveled by himself. Um, and he took me all across Europe. We went um, from Paris um, and I drove, literally rented a car in Paris. We went to French Open, we're diehard tennis fans, but we went to Notre Dame, the cathedral. We spent time there. He um, showed me why at the end of his life, he started caring about religion and um, thanking God for all the blessings that he had. He took me to Luxembourg Gardens. Um, you know, while I was traveling with him, you know, I was still, you know, I guess relatively young. I was 20, 22, uh, 23. And what I remember is even at his age, he would always want to be at the front of the tour. Like he'd always want to be at the front of the tour bus. Um, and always asking the questions of the tour guide, always figuring out what was going on. And I mean, I remember at points being like, Grandpa, why, like, you know, why do you always have to be at the front of the bus? Like, why do you always have to be the one asking questions? He's like, because I don't want to miss anything. And I don't want you to miss anything. Um, he never, he never gave up. No. At the end of the day, <laughs> hey, folks, for the people who are just listening, you don't understand. Both of us are teared up right now. Uh, because it's, but that is also the beauty of storytelling. That is also the beauty of sharing is, is the idea of opening up and being vulnerable and, and sharing things that, that are, that are, that are more than personal, that are things that you know, that if someone listens to might be one person for the person who got to email me that has 15 listeners, yeah. maybe one person that listens. But guess what? They call their mom, their dad, their uncle, their grandfather, that influential person. And they go, let's go do something. Yeah. It could be a drive around their hometown. And they talk about all the buildings and how they've changed and what's going on. And that donut shop used to be the bank. And let me tell you, you know what? Your Aunt Sally knew the owner of the bank and his name was Tom. And actually Tom built the, you know, I found out I went, you know, my grandfather and I had a contemptuous relationship, very close when I was younger and um, started to lose his mind and uh, very hard as I got older. When he passed, right before he passed, uh, I went back to Townsend, Montana, and uh, I was, we did a big family reunion. And it was perfectly timed by uh, my stepmother and uh, my Aunt Lisa and a couple other people because he passed, I think, three or six months later. We found out the reason there's a community pool, the community pool that my daughter swam in, is she was on the diving board where other kids were scared and she was two. And she's like, ah, I'm going to jump into my dad's arms. So he's floating in the water. And it's like 12 feet deep. I mean, these are old school pools, right? I mean, this is awesome. the diving board old school Yeah, pool. 12 feet deep. That's <laughs> yeah. a serious pool. I mean, it's a serious pool, right? And he's like, she's diving in and she's jumping at me and I'm swimming backwards. And then, you know, she's hanging on my neck, you know, kids, and you, you get to the side and she goes, I want to jump in it again. And you're like, yeah, of course I'll wade in the water. I don't care. 
That pool is there because of my grandfather. Wow. Really? The downtown there and the newspaper is there because of my grandfather. The, the city of Helena, the capital of the state of Montana, that has an NBC News affiliate is there because of my grandfather. Really? And I didn't know any of these things <laughs> because I was too young, too dumb, and he started to lose his mind and got angry with everybody. And then you couldn't ask him a question without him cursing you out, calling you a yuppie and a piece of shit. And I can't believe you're buying into all this, you know, just get back on the farm and work. And we missed that opportunity. So I, you know, I, I tear up because one, I'm, I'm honestly selfish. I'm a little jealous of what you got, what you got to do with your grandfather, A. But B, it shows to your point earlier, you got to ask the questions. Yeah. You, gotta, you, gotta, you can't just hear the story, the fun, the fun story around Christmas, right? Someone yeah. tells the same story every year. Or you do the same tradition every year and it's the same small talk. How's Uncle Johnny? Oh, how's your golf game? But she asked the question, you know, uh, we saw a piece, my, I was showing my daughter some pictures that, you know, she's like scrolling through on my, on my phone and she goes, hey, what's this? I go, oh, I was on uh, CNBC. She goes, oh, well, what's that? I go, it's a news station. She goes, yeah. oh, well, who talked to you? I go, do you remember Jane Wells? And she goes, oh, I know Jane. She came to Austin. I got to sit on her lap. We had barbecue together. And I'm like, Very yeah, cool. that's Jane. So Jane invited me on to talk about some stuff because she's very kind and I'm not that smart. And she goes, Oh, dad. And she looked at me and she goes, Hey, dad, you know what? You can still do anything. And I was just like, What? You're seven. What did you just, what say, did to you just say? Hey, the podcast, your work, dad, you can do anything. That's amazing. <laughs> I was just like, hold on. I got to tap out real quick. Yeah. I got to go, you know, I got to, I got to tap out real quick. But that environment wasn't created by me. That environment wasn't created by my parents. That environment wasn't created by my grandparents. It was created by my great grandparents and, and, and prior to them. And to your idea of storytelling and to your idea of what happens, that environment exists and will always exist because of those things. Yeah. You keep asking the questions. And to take it to a, a less personal but a higher level, if you're a business and you want to do something to what you're doing, to the way you're training people, to what you're investing in them, to give them insights and ideas, guess what? Look back at swingers and you look at back at some of the restaurants they went to. Mm -hmm. And you look at how the oldest restaurant in Hollywood still stands and why it still stands. And you look at the investment, you walk into some of those places, go to your local town, find the oldest restaurant, just Google it. It'll pop yeah. up. It might not be the oldest, but it'll be one of the five and go in and sit, smell, be, find the waitress. Guess what? She's not new. She didn't start last week. Correct. 30 years. Correct. Think about those things and the story inside. Think about the idea of, of who they are and what happens and what it means and where it is and, and what drove them to exist to where they exist today. And then you have an option and you have a choice. 
right? You can be a part of that story or you can be another customer. Yeah. You can help share that story or you can buy the food and leave. Yeah. What do you want to do and how do you want to do it? And what does it mean when you do it? Right. And the, to your point, the gold rush of the digital foot, people get so caught up and I like Facebook. I don't like Facebook. Oh, they hide this, you know, Hey folks, guess what? At the end of the day, you can still leverage a platform. They can yeah. still listen to digital hospitality and figure out how to do some workarounds. They can, they can still work. At the end of the, if, if every customer shared a story, I don't care what they throttle. They don't, they don't throttle you or they don't throttle Sally or they don't throttle Tom. It doesn't matter. Share your experience, share your yeah. story, share, share what goes on. That's why my wife flies to locations and my daughter and I rent a car and we drive to locations. Cause I want her to see local and not just local. I'm a local, local. I'm talking just weird shit. We stopped at a place that looked like a fucking McDonald's. It was called McDonald's. It was a butcher shop only for alligator meat in Louisiana. A butcher shop for alligator meat called McDonald's? That's fascinating. Hold on, it gets better. She had to piss. So I'm like, we're stopping here. We walk in. So we walk to the back. And it's this old school, like those thick foam uh, wrapped in plastic old shitter seats. Oh, nice. Old toilet seats, right? Oh, yeah. It was cracked. Classic. So you, so, you know, it's like it's cracked and the foam is exposed and there's God knows what germs in there. And she goes, dad, this bathroom is disgusting. And I'm like, I'm sorry, kiddo. She goes, but it smells amazing. <laughs> and she'll, then, always, she'll always remember that smell. That's for sure. And then we walk out, we walk by the, the butcher shop. It's yeah. just alligator stuff. I mean, all cuts of alligator. They got little fried samples you can try and fry this at home. And here's the little recipe. And, you know, we're walking through. My wife's like, can we get the fuck out of here? Like, this is creepy. Uh, my, my daughter's like, no. I want to walk down every aisle. I want to say hi to every person in here. And I'm just like, this is it, though. This is the memory. This is the thing that builds. This is the don't forget. This is the idea of whether there's a pandemic that hits the U.S. or not is inconsequential. Correct. To, do you want to? Or don't you want to share a story? Yes. And how do you want to share it? And how, how many volumes do you want to share? And where are those shared? Right? And whether it makes you cry or it makes you smile or it makes you do both, it doesn't matter if one does it or a thousand does it because what are you in for? Are you in for it because you want a million likes? Are you in for it because you want to influence one person somewhere, one young man, one young woman who goes, oh, shit, I'm going to call grandpa today. Yeah. I'm going to take a road trip. I'm going to go to a local brewery. I'm going to go, you know, whatever it may be. What, what's your motivation? I know yours. Slow and steady. Yeah. Built on, on failures and success and learning built on the idea of what your grandfather embodied in just not only you, but the DNA of the businesses and the people that you surround yourself that run, that, that, that you help run, right? I mean, it's that 
we're at the end here of Swingers. It's that breakfast moment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, I'll ask the question again, but in a different way. It's the end of the night. It's your last day. It's your breakfast moment. What's your meal? What's my breakfast meal? That's a great. No, question. just your just your moment, just your moment meal. It doesn't have to be a breakfast. They're just they, these assholes just happen to be eating breakfast. But what's your I meal? Mean, the the meal is the meal is with is with my my daughter, my son, and my wife. Um, okay. You know, probably going over what my grandfather taught me. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. My daughter's one and a half. My son's three and you know they're they're kids you know so trying to learn how to be a better dad learn how to be a better husband um trying to tell my son it's time to eat even though he's not hungry it's he wants to (laughs) eat later he wants to you know keep playing with his monster trucks um but you know just reading books about parenting and about how the, the the mind is not fully developed until 22 and you know, that we underestimate how smart our kids really are. And I, I have to learn patience myself as a dad. And instead of just saying, hey, come eat because we need to eat right now, what I've learned is to start to tell him a story about why family dinner time is important and starting to explain, you know, exactly what we talked about on this podcast is that, you know, when I was a kid, your great great grandfather and great-great-grandmother, they taught me that we all eat together at the same time. And we're going to eat all different types of food. Your mom's made some incredible Bulgarian dish that we've, you know, that her mom taught her how to make. And we're all going to sit down and eat because this is a good time to eat. But just going into the depths of why this is important to us, even at three, he's three years old, all of a sudden he stops fighting me and he goes, mm, that makes sense, dad. And now he's bought into the story and now he's bought into this tradition. And is that going to change when he's four and five? Yes, it will. But nonetheless, it's a seat at the table. I'm inviting him to understand. I want him at the table. And that's what you do with this podcast. That's what I want to do with my podcast is we want to give people a seat at the table to continue to hear stories that compel them to be inspired. It's one thing to be motivated. Motivation is going to only get you to do one thing. Inspiration, when somebody gives you an idea, it's going to burn in the back of your head. It's going to compel you before you go to sleep, when you wake up in the morning, to want to do something better. And the more that we continue to pursue those every single day, day in, day out, no matter what, um, eventually they lead to very incredible places. They do. Absolutely. Hey, we laughed, we cried, I drank, you had a Red Bull. God bless you. Well, it's early in the morning for you. It's the afternoon for me and I live an airport lifestyle. I'm a, I'm a Hall of Fame drinker. I, I retired eight years ago, so. No, that you should retire. I, I should probably retire at one point in time. <laughs> uh, Sean, I just, you know. Uh, unexpected, I hope. No, I mean, I, let's listen. Every, every, every podcast episode is unexpected. <laughs> However, there are very few that, uh, that pull at the heartstrings like this one did. And, and for that, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the time and, 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 and your insights and it just being really open and sharing uh, from your grandfather's story uh, to, to the, the, the last piece with your kids and inviting them to the table and, and the difference of that. And 
uh, everything else said, one last thing. Um, you know, we, we talk about this usually at the beginning. I, I wanted to save it for the end because we just kind of jumped into stuff and this was, I didn't want to interrupt the conversation, but uh, outside of your, your, your podcast and every small business that's listening, go download Digital Hospitality, go find it, go get it. A uh, little uh, local business shout out. Who you got some love for out there? Uh, so because of podcasting, I can uh, touch different businesses on all different parts of the globe. And fortunately, I've been able to meet an incredible business in Austin. And I know you've got a lot of Austin listeners, but Leroy and, and Lewis um, Barbecue Spot in Austin. Evan Leroy was on our podcast. Uh, he cooks old school barbecue and he does it in a new school way. Um, he's got an incredible story, uh, barbecue food truck. Um, but he's producing content for media, uh, medium, he's producing YouTube videos. He started his own podcast, uh, just a great, great story. And they do incredible barbecue. Uh, Ian Stonebrook is also works for Cali barbecue media. And I know he was on your podcast, the blue chips episode, which I thoroughly enjoyed all the deep discussions of, uh, Anthony Hardaway and, <laughs> and, um, yeah, that that was that was a fantastic discussion, and I think that that's probably why I enjoy your podcast so much is because the the themes in these movies, why we pick these movies, they bring us to a deeper discussion of life and the characters about life. But Ian's just he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's just an incredible writer that has helped us um, add depths to all of our interviews that we do. Um, so all the art, all the podcast episodes, he writes um, uh, an article. Um, that we turn into a blog, um, but he's phenomenal and he was on the podcast. So anybody that owns a business that needs help writing, Ian Stonebrook, um, he's phenomenal, reach out to him, but also hit up uh, Leroy and Lewis. I, I love it, man. Ian and I, we, uh, we, we used to, before COVID, right? We used to battle on the hoops court. And I mean, yes. as teammates, just battling against each other. I remember at game point, Ian would switch and come on me. I mean, we just, if you have the game point, he's bringing the ball down, we're switching, I'm on him. I mean, it's just, we have this wonderful relationship and I, and I really do love him so much. Yes. I really do because we bring out the best in each other because we make each other work hard. That's what Pickup Hoops does. And that's why, I, that's why I have a kinship with any, any, anyone that plays Pickup Hoops, you know, like when you walk onto the court, you just know. You just know. I'm, I'm the guy that you want on your team and you hate, hate playing against. So. Yep, I'm the same way. I'm the guy who barks <laughs> a little bit, but also it's like, oh. You bark a little bit? I don't A little bit. That. How dare you, sir? <laughs> hey, Sean, uh, man, I, I can't thank you enough for, no for, for the time. I'm grateful. Uh, this has been really, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been an uh, emotionally revealing and amazing podcast that I think if anyone listens to, especially a small business that listens to, that can tie themselves into, right? Because their heart and their life are in their business. Yep. And uh, their heart and their life and why they started their business, there's something in their past that drove them to where they're at today. And you yep. may not like it or you may love it, but it exists. And how you embrace it and then what you do moving forward, especially in this digital revolution, is crucial. Uh, yep. So, your insights, your value. One more time before my daughter sings about the first time she took a shit by herself. <laughs> Not the best intro for you, but 
Tell everyone where they can find your podcast, how they can order barbecue, the ghost shops, anything else you want to say, get it. Yeah, please uh, just go to any podcast platform, Digital Hospitality, but um, you can Google Cali Barbecue um, and see how we show up on Google so you can get an idea of what we're doing digitally and what you can do for your business and your brand um, through audio, video, written word. Um, it's, just, it's just really important to start getting as much real estate about who you are, who your businesses are, what you stand for, and um, we're hoping to help as many small business owners as we can to do that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. That's probably where I'm the most active at Sean, S-H-A-W-N-P, Walchef, W-A-L-C-H-E-F. Follow me. I will follow you back. Also, if you listen to the podcast and you tell me about swingers and you're in San Diego, I will not only give you a seat at the table, but I will give you a VIP tour of our restaurant. Um, we're going through a lot of changes, but if you're friends with Jason, you're friends with me and your family. So um, I got a couple out. people for you. I got a couple people for you, brother. Deal. And uh, hey, colorblind design, uh, Scott S K O T. I, I usually make fun of everyone who's named Jeff with a G E. I always fuck with them. But, uh, yeah, right, Geoff. But uh, hey, uh, Scott, we're gonna get this gentleman. A, uh, I'm gonna introduce you guys over email and then also over uh, social. But I'm gonna get you a tactical six pack carrier. You can hide it in the restaurant or at the house, wherever you want it. Tailgating. Uh, that's tailgating. A, that's a tailgating tactical six pack. That's a tailgating tactical six pack, brother. Thank you again, man. Uh, I would love to have you on again. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate, appreciate you, man. It. I appreciate you and what you're doing for businesses and everything else and dropping your insight. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful week ahead. Uh, I'm going to say this in the best way I can as a Niners fan. Go Chargers. <laughs> we'll take all the help we can get. Thank you, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. Be good. You, you got it, brother. Peace. Peace.